0: Uh, it's, it's kind of been flowing in my heart, my mind, and my spirit for a couple of months. I was telling the leadership in the back tonight uh, with leadership prayer that uh, tonight's message is, again, something that was birthed from some Bible reading in the month of November, like early November. And uh, I have been for the past several times that I've been preaching, of course, we had an evangelist here for two Sundays. Uh, most of the Sundays, whenever I've been preaching all night, I've been preaching from things that God placed in my spirit uh, in that month of November. And so uh, as as this comes to you tonight, please be aware that this 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 didn't just show up this week, that this showed up about a couple of months ago, around November the 9th, somewhere in that time frame. And so I. Uh, this is something that's been in my heart and mind. And uh, if you are even interested or wondering, is he is he just, you know, walking the dog like just saying that I can show you my little journal and I can show you because I write the date down anytime I put something there. I can show you the date and what I wrote. So, you know, the seed thought of all of this was birthed two months ago. Amen. And so I'm going to go to the word of the Lord. My scripture reading is just a little lengthy uh, compared to uh, sometimes that I read scripture. Genesis 19. uh, I want to read verses 1 through 11, 11 verses. But I think I think we can do it. I think we can do it. Got confidence. The Bible said, and there came two angels to Sodom at even and Lot sought. Lot sat, rather, in the gate of Sodom, and Lot seen them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground, and he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and you shall rise up early, and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night, and he pressed them Greatly, and they turned in unto him and entered into his house. And he made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house uh, round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. I mentioned this this morning. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came to thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. And of course, again, that word knows in an intimate way. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. And they said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came in to sojourn and he will needs be a judge. Now, will we deal worse with thee than them? And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house. These ones that he had Uh, invited into his house, they pulled Lot into the house to them and shut to the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. The nutshell of this whole story today that uh, I believe is a pivot point for us tonight is verse number eight. lot has brought two men into his home they are angels but to him they are just men they are strangers they are foreigners he has brought them into their home men of the city wish to take advantage of them do them harm and lot says in verse 8 behold now i have two daughters which have not known man let me i pray you bring them out unto you and do you to them as is good in your eyes and only to these men do nothing for very word they came under the shadow of my roof. They're under my roof. I've invited them, in. They're strangers. They're foreigners. They're under my roof. Don't do anything to them, but I got two daughters. Have your way. Do whatever you want. The help of the Holy Ghost tonight, I want to minister this. Hospitality begins at home. hospitality begins at home father I come to you tonight I pray Oh Lord Jesus today that you're able to strengthen this Lord in this service God let my voice get lost Lord Jesus in sound tonight and let the voice of heaven God speak Whatever, Lord, you would desire, God, the very seed of this that you planted in my spirit, Lord, two months ago. I pray, oh, Lord, tonight, God, speak to us collectively as a body. Speak to us, Lord, as a nation. Speak to us, Lord, as individuals. God, I want to hear what the Spirit is saying tonight. Because I know it speak of expressively. If I would just lend ear to hear, God, what the Spirit would say, I'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. In this great church, say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. In the lovely name of the Lord. Hospitality begins at home. I understand the air in which we live is perhaps quite different from generations before us. The air in which we live... Uh, is a place in time, and I'm not speaking for everybody, but I think I am speaking stereotypically maybe of the generation that we're presently living in, and that is it's a place where our homes are a closed-off space from the outside world. Uh, we, we limit the amount of people that we allow to pass into that sanctuary that we call our home. Uh, For that reason, Brother Mason, door-to-door sales have become a lost art uh, in our communities and in society because people even guard their homes to the extent of their porch. Uh, They don't want any unsolicited, unexpected knocks on their doors. And so the art of door-to-door is now just something of yesteryear and time past because we are protective of the homes, the closed-off space. It's for us and our family. So gone are the times in our generation at least it would seem Theme of inviting complete strangers into our house for food, or inviting them in, saying, "Hey, if you need a place to stay, I don't know you from anybody, but come on in. I got a bed." You know that that those times are far gone. That that used to be a way of life generations ago. That the total strangers were invited into a home, a place to rest, and you would feed them. And but now we just live in a different time. Every every need that seems to even be presented to us is suspect, and uh, you know the trust that we would have in every individual. We were questioning whether they are trustworthy. And so there's a vulnerability to, of course, having strangers in our home in the generation in which we live. However, hospitality, and and it's a word maybe that we don't bring up a lot, but hospitality was very much so a Jewish practice. To the Jews, it was even almost a doctrine, the doctrine of hospitality. It was something that uh, Jewish mothers and fathers taught their children, and not only that, they accepted the, the concept of hospitality even as a commandment for their home, a commandment for their family to be hospitable. A. Jew was and is even still yet today uh, they believe to provide food and lodging for any traveler that may be going by the way and even more importantly than just providing them something to drink or something to eat uh, they were part of their hospitality regimen was not just lodging and food but it was also more importantly that they were to accompany this individual in other words it wasn't as though they just brought them in their house and said well you know there's the cupboards fine." You need to eat or drink, and just leave them at that, detached and separated from them. But part of the teaching and the lesson of hospitality that they had learned is that you just don't show somebody there's food to eat, but you accompany them in the eating, you accompany them in the, the drinking, and, and you're there to uh, make it your responsibility that the stranger feels at home. That the stranger feels like the place that they are now in and the space that has been offered to them was one that they could be comfortable in. You're, you're going to the extent that you can to make sure they are feeling comfortable though they are a stranger in your home. And so the command of hospitality to the Jew and throughout even Old Testament Scripture, it knew no limitations. What that meant was this. There is no line drawn in the sand as though you go this far and that's as far as you can go as far as being hospitable towards someone. It knew no limitations. You could go to great lengths of being hospitable. Amen. To a stranger or to someone that had darkened your door. You couldn't go too far. For that matter, it was quite uh, 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 honoring Of a jew if he could anticipate the needs of the stranger even before the stranger asked if if he could just somehow sense if they were needing something it was a it was a great trait for a jew to have to be very intuitive and very intentional about the way in which they showed hospitality to a stranger I'm on a long journey tonight, okay? Amen, at least it feels long to me. Amen. Throughout Scripture, there are multiple examples in the Scripture of people that had been hospitable to strangers and wayfaring individuals. They are, at different times, inviting people into their tents or into their permanent homes. And they are providing water for their feed and food and drink at their table and in some instances not only are they providing lodging for the individual but if their guest has come along and with them are animals or beasts of burden they're also providing a place of lodging for the beast and some food for the beast that travel with them all throughout the Old Testament Scripture we see men and women families and homes that are being opened up they're opening up their lives by opening up their homes and that they're accommodating and they are thoughtful toward the needs of strangers. They've endeavored in their home and house to make that individual feel at home. They're feeding them on one hand, they're making sure they have something to drink on the other hand and they're just trying to generate that home feeling for this individual. Amen. And whenever they made them feel at home outside of the drink and outside of the lodging and outside of the food when they made that person feel at home, then they felt like that was the true proof that they had been hospitable unto this individual. Someone say amen. An Old Testament example of this is Abraham and Sarah that we find in just a chapter before our text tonight. In Genesis chapter number 18, the Bible states that Abraham is sitting there at his tent and suddenly there seems to be before him three guests or three men that have shown up at Abraham's tent. And Abraham, he is a hospitable person as we read through scripture. The Bible says that he hastens, he's quite quick to get up to meet these three individuals. He's very respectful toward them, though he doesn't know them. He's very respectful toward them. He bows to them in greeting them he provides water as we've looked at customs over the past few weeks for their feet and he's given them food and drink and he makes sure Sarah prepares a meal quite quickly for their appetites and he says in no certain terms in verse 5 of Genesis 18 he wanted this was his intention he wanted these guests these strangers he wanted their hearts to be comforted he wanted them to be comfortable comforted he wanted them to feel comfortable he brought food to them and look what the Bible says you can see it in verse number eight of Genesis 18 he brought food to them and the Bible says he stood by them under the tree in other words he didn't just dish it out to them and then just go vacate them no he accompanied them he stood by them he was trying to show them hospitality everybody say hospitality We have other instances in scripture. You remember the story of Jacob and Joseph, Joseph being estranged from his father for years, assumed to be dead. And whenever Joseph's brothers come to Jacob and say, Dad said, we know that Joseph is alive. Dad is a little uncertain about whether or not he can believe those words because, to his estimation, Joseph is dead. But they tell Jacob, jo- Jacob, Joseph is alive. This is what the Bible says in Genesis 45 and verse 26. And told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them. Now he said, I don't believe that my son is alive. Verse 27. And they told him all the words of Joseph. Because Joseph said, you you, you you, go get dad, we'll provide wagons and we'll come and get him and have everything brought here to Egypt. He says he, they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he, when Jacob saw the wagons, which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived inside of him. There's something you must understand. You read the story in Genesis 45 of all of this. And whenever Joseph told Pharaoh that he wanted to go get his father, Pharaoh says, I'll provide wagons so that you can go get your dad. And the wagons were given to Joseph. But the Bible, you can read it in the scripture, Joseph provided provision for the way. The old rabbi sages say this, That one, according to oral tradition, that one of the last lessons that Jacob ever taught Joseph before he was taken in the pit and assumed to be dead was the lesson of hospitality. And so whenever he sees the wagons coming and they're not empty... Because it wasn't typical for the Egyptians to practice hospitality. When he seen the wagons coming and they were empty but they were full of provision. He knew that the words that the sons have spoken that Joseph must be alive. Because he's shown hospitality by providing. Someone say amen. In the wagon. Amen. He heard the words, but everything changed whenever he saw the wagons and seen that they were full of provision. He's practicing hospitality. That's not a normal trait of the Egyptian life. The idea the idea of caring for the needs of others and making sure that they feel at home wasn't just an Old Testament trait or an Old Testament law or doctrine of the Jews. The idea of caring for others and making sure they feel at home was also a concept that was close to the heart of Jesus Christ. When the two disciples, after the death and the burial of resur- after the death and burial of Christ and resurrection, were making their way to the city of a Emmaus those two disciples were walking that direction and if you'll remember the Bible says that Jesus came down and began to talk with him with them they did not know who this man was they didn't recognize him as Jesus they began to ask him about the events of the day as he had heard any of these things and the Bible says that when these two disciples traveled to Emmaus and they came along on their journey that they were going to stay for the night that something happened Happened. Luke 24 and verse 28, and they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went, and he, speaking of Jesus, made as though he would have gone further. Verse 29, but they The two disciples constrained him saying abide with us for it was toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. You know what Jesus was doing in that moment? He was trying whether or not they would abide by the law of hospitality. He was making as though he would go further and seeing if they were going to be able to take some time to invite him in. Provide a place to stay, provision and food for him and make him feel comfortable. And accompany him in that home. He acted like he was going to go, but the Bible says they constrained him. They honored the law of hospitality and constrained him and made him comfortable, provided lodging and provided food. Can someone say amen? So in the example of Scripture that we get from Abraham, even in our Scripture setting of Lot, because he entertained two men as guests in his home as well, along with the disciples of Emmaus, it shows us one thing concerning hospitality, that it's important to entertain, amen, and be hospitable to strangers. It underscores the significance of us showing hospitality, because we have record in New Testament Scripture of Hebrews 13.2, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. The three men that was at the tent of Abraham and Sarah, they were angels. The two men that Lot invited into his home, they were angels. The man that the two disciples of Emmaus invited into their home was was God Almighty? It was the resurrected Christ, God manifested in the flesh, and so it is a good deed. It's very mindful of us to be hospitable to strangers, whereby some have entertained strangers or rather angels unaware. Everybody say amen. I know, big portrait. But Lot's actions in Genesis 19, if I may convey tonight were learned behaviors of inviting these two men in his house. Undoubtedly, being a relative of Abraham's, he had witnessed the hospitality that Abraham had practiced in his own life, amen, and in his own home. As the two men entered the city of Sodom, again, you can do a compare and contrast between Genesis, amen, 19 and Genesis 18 of the three that visited Abraham and the two that visited Lot. When you look at them, whenever these two men came into the city of Sodom, we read likewise that Lot rose up quickly to meet them just like Abraham had done in the previous chapter. That whenever he goes to greet these two strangers to him, He bowed down and greets them just like Abraham had done in the previous chapter. For that matter, these two men, and if you've never made this connection, make it now. These two men that come to Lot who are angels are two of the three angels that had just visited Abraham. Amen. And so they're coming to visit. And they just had a hospitality experience with Abraham. And now they're having a hospitality experience with Lot. And so Lot sees them as men. But in reality, he was entertaining angels. Unaware, He provided, the Bible says in Genesis 19, water for their feet like Abraham. He set a feast before them like Abraham had. He's tending to all the areas of hospitality in their life, food and drink and lodging. He's accompanying them. He, he doesn't allow them to abide in the street, though they said that would be sufficient. He says, no, I urge you, come into my house. He's opening up their house to them like Abraham did. He urged urges them to stay with him. And the Bible says that when the wicked men of the city of Sodom surrounded his house to take advantage of these guests, to take advantage of these strangers, that Lot steps outside the house and shuts the door behind him on those strange guests in his home. And Lot goes to bat. Lot goes to bat for two complete strangers that are underneath the shadow of his roof. I know we know from scripture they're angels, but to Lot, they are just strangers. Yet he steps out of the house, closes the door on everybody's inside. He's accompanying them. Lot is there present in the moment and he's taking his hospitality, amen, measures and law and responsibilities seriously, amen, to the nth level. And he knew, he knew, this is what he knew, this is the way that they had been taught, that it would have been horrible for someone to travel through another's land that was not a native of that land. It would be horrible for them to travel through land and be killed. And so Lot didn't want that on his shoulders. Lot didn't want that on. In his hands, nothing can happen to these men because they're in a land that is not their own. And so we got to look out for them. He had been taught that each life in the world was sacred, even the life of a stranger. And it ought to, to the best of his ability, be protected. And so as Lot steps outside of his doors to talk to these wicked men, he's trying to be hospitable. He's trying to accompany those men behind his doors. He's trying, if you will, to save lives. But as they are vying for the two strangers in his home, Lot says in verse 8, I have two daughters which have not known men, they're virgins. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do ye to them as is good in your eyes only folks I hope this is just way in here just for a little bit only unto these men do nothing for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof someone say amen Lot doesn't want anything to be done to the two men let me get more plain with you Lot doesn't want anything to be done to the two strangers Are they angels? Yes. But to Lot, they're just two men. They're totally strangers to him. And yet he doesn't want anything to happen to them. They are, in his own terminology, guys, they are under the shadow of my roof. What's that mean? They're under the protection of my household. They're under the protection of my home. They're under the shadow of my roof. Don't you understand it would be a disgrace for them to be mistreated in any fashion because I have invited them in under the shadow of my roof. If I would to care for them, amen, if I wouldn't do that, then that would be an extension of the shadow of my home. And I can't let that happen. So don't you do anything to them. And here he is. He's doing the greatest level of hospitality. He's accompanying these men. He's standing up for these men. He must have cared for them, which he did. He cared for their needs, which he did. That was the law of hospitality. But there is a troubling option that Lot places on the table. He says, how about instead of these two strangers, I give you my two daughters that are virgins. And evidently, these two girls are vowed to be married because later it speaks of son-in-laws. In In that time, a person could be a son-in-law before they were married as long as they were vowed and betrothed to marriage. And he says, why don't you take these two daughters of mine, do what you want with them, but don't do anything to the two strangers. Take my relation and do whatever you want, but don't do anything to the two foreigners. Take my family and do whatever you want, but don't do anything to these two strangers. Amen, both my daughters and these men mind you are under the same shadow of the same roof of the household of law but for one he says do what you want and for the other he says amen don't do anything for the stranger he says let me protect him but for his own family he says has your way with him mm, someone say amen so lot if you're saying do nothing with these strangers because they're under the shadow of your roof how valid of a statement is that if you're willing to sacrifice your dollar daughters who are also under the shadow It's also under the shadow of your roof. Are you willing to sacrifice your daughters to what you are not willing to sacrifice strangers? Can I tell somebody in this house tonight, hospitality is great. It needs to be shown to mankind and the strangers, friend and foe, but hospitality must begin at home. We cannot sacrifice our families to what we will not sacrifice strangers to. Someone say amen. amen. I know. By and large, my study of the Old Testament scripture, that the ministry of hospitality generally applied to those that were outside of our home, outside, strangers, people that may be foreign to us. But let me tell you well tonight that if it is going to go beyond our home, it must start in our home first. If it's going to be outside the walls, it must be practiced inside the walls first. The hospitality that we show to anybody else should be an extension of what we are already practicing within the confines of our homes, in the confines of our dwelling places. Someone say amen. It should start at home. I was reading that scripture back in November and I even put out there, it's probably there in my journal, God, I'm confused about verse eight. Because I said, God, both are under the roof. One is considered a stranger to him; another is his family. But he'll sacrifice his family before he'll sacrifice the stranger. Oh, oh Shataramo hospitality must begin at home there's no doubt in my mind that the way that lot comes across in this moment at least it was to me it may not be to anybody else but at least it was to me back in november it is a shocking act i might even dare to say and i say this with all tenderness it was an inexcusable act amen to accompany a stranger at the expense of his own family to if you will accompany amen someone he didn't know at the expense of his own family what are you saying i'm saying if anybody should have been made been made. comfortable, if anybody should have been cared for, if anybody should have been looked out for, if anybody should have went to bat for somebody, it should have been for those two girls. It should have been those that was under his roof. It should... that's exactly right honey when oh God help me it should be those because I understand something yes there are times that we entertain strangers and we're entertaining angels unaware but there's something that you must realize concerning your sons and your daughters and your family whenever it comes to your family you're attending to known gifts from God this isn't maybe it could be an angel this is a gift that God has given you it's not not maybe this is something holy you're contending with Was something you know that did come from heaven for you in. I may be attending angels unaware. I hate to tell you this sir. I hate to tell you this ma'am. You're attending to angels within your home. That are not strange to you. Is it Proverbs that speaks, I believe? Let me look at it here. Proverbs that speaks. And we can go back and forth, both both sides of the fence here. But Proverbs says, Whosoever findeth a wife findeth a Brother Johnson? Brother Johnson? That lady that's in my home? That lady, she's not a stranger. She's not a stranger. And yeah, Brother Kevin, I try to help with providing food and lodging. And I try to help with providing drink. And I hope I go to the nth degree of hospitality of making her feel comfortable in our home. I I hope that I would go to bat for her whenever it would be needful and necessary. I hope that words of kindness would flow over my lips and a purity of heart and my intimacy and sexual life would be on point. I am not thinking. Well, maybe this is holy, or maybe this is an angel. This thing that God has given me is a good thing. I don't have to think about it or sermonize about it. I know from Scripture this right here is a good thing God has given me. This is a good. I, I don't. I don't have to wonder about my kids. I don't have to wonder about my kids. This is different from strangers, Brother McGee. Maybe they are, maybe they're not angels. But when it comes to my family, they are gifts from God. Yeah. I read in Psalms 127, we use it in baby dedications. Low children are a heritage. A heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is His reward. Yeah. Now, I know sometimes, Kevin, they get sassy, sassy mouths on them and... And you're like, did I get 10th place concerning the reward here? right? (laughs) Huh? I know they can get smart mouths and attitudes and go through phases of life and all that. But honey, when we sit down at the table and I enter my home and I see that little boy and I see that girl. You know what I need to be seeing that God's already brought to my attention? There are my reward right there. My reward for your family and your life right there found in your kids. So I'm not thinking, sister, I'm not thinking, brother and sister trout. Do I need to be hospitable to them? I already know they're a reward from heaven. It's not like I'm taking a chance and I may I may be expending some things that I wish I'd kept concerning love and compassion and gratitude. Oh, hospitality begins at home. I'll, get, I'll give you a little window into my own prayer life because you're looking at here today a fallible man. You're looking at here today a fallible man you know what i cry out to heaven with almost daily i try to almost make it daily in my private prayer time when i'm talking to god and i'm talking to him about my family and about my children i pray these words i say god let my love and my affection be toward my wife and her love and her affection toward me i pray god help me to love and cherish my children Because there is a vast gap between loving them and cherishing them. there is a vast cap I've heard too many stories after they got 18 and they split the door on the house as they were leaving to find their own place that they say and in their minds and hearts is I never had a mom that cherished me I never had a dad that cherished me they didn't care a lick about me whether I was there or not there when I vied for their attention they wouldn't pay attention to me what do you say hospitality begins at home it begins it begins at home it begins at home listen whenever there's all the qualifications in Timothy and Titus of of bishops and deacons and their wives among those lists of bishops and deacons and lives and people that are overseers and so on and so forth, you can always find this, that they would show hospitality, that they would be a lover of hospitality. you see that? But look, the writer of Timothy and Titus brings great balance in these lists because it doesn't just say that they would be hospitable or lovers of hospitality lest they get heavy-sided just to strangers. He says, and the husbands would be faithful to their wives. And that they would rule their own house well. Someone hear me right now? That they would rule their their own house well. And that they would show with all gravity, if you will, having their children in subjection. You know what he's saying? In your hospitality, don't forget your hospitality at home. I doing OK, I love everybody here tonight, but just two months ago, God departed this particular spirit. And so here it is tonight. was <sighs> <Is> everybody OK. <sighs> Your kindness and compassion and understanding. Ladies, for another male in this world, workplace, wherever should not exceed that same kindness and compassion that you would show forth to your husband in your home. Huh. If your kids are involved in stuff. Then you should be cheerleading them on more. Than what you cheerlead any other child in any other endeavor on for. Because that's the heritage God gave me. They're my rewards. Because hospitality should begin at home. The Jewish sages say. That according to standard civilized conduct, a father should risk his life in order to protect the innocence of his daughters. And yet in the episode of lot in Genesis 19, he's forfeiting the innocence of his daughters. Oh, God. I got to stop here and pause for a moment tonight and say this that ultimately if you compromise things of God as we consider Lot, it may risk a compromised hospitality in your home. Walk with me here just for a moment. If If you look at the difference of hospitality between what Abraham showed in chapter 18 and what Lot showed in chapter 19. If you look at the difference in the hospitality of Lot and Abraham, you will see that it's a compromised condition. Because the men that showed up at Abraham's house, those angels, two of them showed up at Lot's house. Walk with me here just for a moment. Three at Abraham's, two at Lot's. As a matter of fact, when you read a little more in depthly, the two that showed up for Lot, it seems as though one of them is responsible for getting the family out of the city. And the other angel, it seems, is responsible for destroying the city. But the three angels that visited Abraham, watch me real closely here now, one of them is referred to as the angel of the Lord. What this means is one of these three angels was. A theophany, which means this, they were a manifestation of God himself. Are you watching me? Abraham has all three. Lot has two. Which one is missing at Sodom and Lot's house that was at Abraham's house? It's the one that was considered the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord didn't show up at Lot's house because when you compromise with the world, you lose intimacy with God and risk intimacy with your family. What are you saying? I'm saying let's go back even a little step. Would be hospitable to strangers, yes, but at first it needs to be hospitality at home. Let's go step even further back. Or back, it needs to be then a hospitality of our heart. On, yes, Cons- yes, yes, yes. Right. Okay. Right. When we look at the church at Corinth. Bible tells us, you can read the scripture, you read it for yourself. First Corinthians, the Bible talks about the church of Corinth was a carnal church. Everything imaginable was going on in that church. There were divisions among them, the Bible says. There were fornications that were spoken of among them. Brother was taken brother to law at the church of Corinth. There's all kinds of divisions going on among them. And the Bible says, the apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse number 14, he says, and be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. He goes on and speaks some more words and he comes down to verse number 17 and says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And look at verse 18. And will be a father. Everybody say a father. A father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. I love what a man, Gregory Brown, he said this concerning that verse of scripture. He said, God in these scriptures... Is not promising salvation for being separate. Because if you remember in a Christian living experience. Right? You don't get separate to get salvation. You get salvation and it separates you. So God in these verses of scripture was not promising salvation for being separate. Watch it now. God is promising intimacy. He said if you come out. I'll be a father. And you'll be a son. We'll have intimacy. One with the other. I'll make sure you're cared for. That you got food and drink and lodging. I'll accompany you. I'll... There's a law in the book of Leviticus that speaks about this equality of administering the law in the book of Leviticus, meaning this. That what whatever the law was good for the stranger was good for the native. There was equality. If it was good for the stranger, it was good for the native. If it was good for the native, it was good for the stranger. Lot, if it's good to protect those two guys because they're under the roof of your house, it's good for the native. It's good for your daughters that they likewise should be protected. I can't go preach much longer. I can't handle it. Too much stress. Stand with me for a moment. Now I'll come to a close here. In the same chapter... The same story of Genesis 19. Lot goes to Zoar. He's afraid to stay at Zoar. He goes on to the mountain that the Lord first told him to go to. I feel sorry for y'all trying to come up with a song. But nonetheless, (laughs) he goes to the mountain that the Lord originally told him to go to. He loses his wife at Zoar. She looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. If you look in the actual Hebrew, it's not a look as though a glance, but she stood there gazing and staring. She's really taking it in. Lost his wife at Zoar. They go to the mountain. His two daughters are there. Listen, the two daughters that he was willing to sacrifice. If need be, instead of the two strangers. They say to each other, because the sons-in-laws, those to be, did not come. They have no future husband. They say, I tell you what, the older and the younger discuss. Let's make dad drunk. And tonight I'll go in to him and lay down. And tomorrow night you can go in unto him and lay down and have relationship. And we'll have offspring and we'll have heritage. And the Bible tells us plainly that uh, Lot did not know when they lay down or when they God up because of the intoxication that he was taken by. They wanted offspring, but here's the crux really of everything. Folks, listen to me clearly. We stand back and we look at that and think, my goodness, they disrespected their father, but that's no surprise because they stood in the wings as he disrespected them. Under the shadow, if you just close your eyes here tonight, under the shadow of his roof were strangers to him and family, his daughters. But he was in that moment, in a compromised state, more hospitable to those foreign to him than those known by him, to those rewards. To those treasures tonight i emphasize and urge again hospitality begins at home it's demonstrated to others yes because its outgrowth is found from the home jacob knew it was joseph that was alive and coming because he recognized the provision of hospitality. You know what's in Jacob's mind? He learned that at home. He says, I see what he's doing there. But I know he learned that. Not in Egypt. He learned that when his feet were at my table. He learned that When his bed was in my house, he learned that because hospitality in our family started at home. Seventeen years have passed, but he learned that in the house. I'm telling somebody tonight, there is no greater person or people in your life than your personal family. There is no greater people that you need to lodge with and eat with and drink with and accompany and be there for and stand up for and yoke arm and arm with than your personal family. And yes, as a church family and as any other institution that has some sense of community, we're going to get on each other's nerves at time. We're going to do this and that at time, And there's going to be all these things, but whenever the day ends... You're my good thing. They're my rewards, my treasure. That man is my knight in shining armor. He's the one that loves me and respects me and is mindful of my weakness, as Scripture says. I wonder if there would be any families or if there would be anybody in this house tonight that would come to the Lord this evening and say, God... I want hospitality to start in the home. And let me back that up just once, God. I want it to start in my heart. I want to be hospitable toward the Lord. You know, whenever Jesus Christ came to this earth, the Bible says there was no room in the inn. Whenever Jesus Christ walked with His disciples, the Bible says the foxes have their holes and the birds of the air have their nests, but there's nowhere for the Son of Man to lay His head. You know what He was saying? He could not find hospitality among humanity. Wondering if someone could be hospitable in their heart tonight toward God. Practice hospitality within the home, and accompany your children, and accompany your, your spouse, accompany that arena of your home, and then maybe be hospitable to strangers. Don't get the don't get the order, the hierarchy uh, misplaced. Don't 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 dare, Amen. Be more hospitable to strangers than you are to your family, and don't leave God out in the cold. I want intimacy with him. I want intimacy in my home so I can have an outgrowth, and overflow of that from my home to others that are around me. That's the design of God. Hallelujah. Would someone come tonight? Would someone come? Would people in this congregation come and pray? Well, Brother McGee, I got all that together. That's great. Come and pray anyway. Amen. Hospitality starts in the home. It starts in the home. It doesn't start here at the church first. It starts in the home starts in the home. Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. Come on, brother and sister Mason. If you have a song here for us tonight, come on. I haven't really preached all that long, so we got plenty of time to just have a conversation. with God. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.